everyone. Welcome to another Crowdlinker Fireside Chat. I'm Aram Makouf, the host. Thanks for tuning in. On the show, as you know, I'm interviewing well-known product and innovation leaders who are working on big industry disruptive problems from within their organizations. Um, my guests have been in the trenches and have lots of practical advice to share with us today about building quality digital products, staying agile, and fostering an innovation and cultural mindset. This is season two, episode number three, and I'm here today with Saket Toshnawal to chat about experimentation, building engagement, and road mapping. Uh, Saket is a growth and product marketing leader who focuses on product monetization, CRM, and retention. Uh, Saket is uh, going to be the new vice president of revenue and monetization at Actio, and he has held uh, various leadership roles at, at Lobo, as well as founding two companies in the past before. Uh, when not at his desk, Saka likes playing squash, listening to podcasts, and working on his new book, which we're all excited to to check out when it comes out. Uh, so yeah, uh, Socket, awesome to have you here on our show today. Thanks so much for uh, for giving us some time. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and such a nice introduction. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. No problem, no problem. Well, let me kick it off then with the first question I have for you. Um, would you mind... Uh, starting off by telling the audience who's going to be listening a little bit about yourself and um, where you're based. Right. Um, so I'm Saket. I'm the Vice President of Revenue and Monetization at Axio. So it's an app to train uh, with motivational coaches and life classes that supports fitness, yoga, meditation, um, your life goals. Uh, so I would just say download Axio on App Store or Play Store and it is live. So uh, you would love it. Uh, and then uh, prior to Axio, I was working at Levu as a head of growth and product marketing. Uh, and Levu is a social entertainment app with millions of users. I focus on product monetization, by CRM, retention, product marketing, and growth. Um, I was previously head of CRM. Uh, where I uh, had the opportunity to build an amazing team. Um, and earlier, I was a product manager at Lebu. Uh, I also worked at uh, a mobile marketing agency, uh, helping clients define different customer lifecycle journeys and to grow revenue. And I worked at Philips Lighting in the global digital e-commerce team in the Netherlands. Uh, I founded two startups, as you mentioned, and these all experiences were just amazing. When it comes to uh, uh, how I came to this product marketing group, so I was doing a lot of these experimentations in monetization and retention and activation. Uh, so that let me to uh, find out so many different levers uh, that can, uh, that, and so many different hypotheses, prove different hypotheses. And I just like, uh, fell in love with this product-led growth with on with user retention management and use monetization management. When it comes to product marketing, I was I was into go-to-market launches, planning the goals for the launch, um, the market research and competitive analysis, segmentation, positioning of, of the product, like the messaging that we got to do, uh, the the segmentation as to where we want to launch, for whom do we want to launch, what is the first hypothesis that we want to check, what is the benchmark metric that we want to check. Uh, so those those were very uh, had interesting because it has both. Um, uh, quantitative and qualitative metrics. And when it comes to, uh, and something I love to work with design, messaging, 
in product onboarding, um, develop go-to-market, uh, setting launch dates, outline the timeline, and share upcoming and share that with the uh, marketing CRM performance marketing uh, team. And so those experiences, like, and I build that product marketing playbook. So it just brought me towards the product marketing thing. And also, what was interesting, I had I had a chance to do. Um, app store optimization, uh, working on paid campaigns and retargeting, uh, integrating uh, features to live user life cycle or user life cycle journeys, uh, gather feedback from the from the users to gather more opportunities and test more hypotheses. So it's just the whole experience of building a consumer centric product and most importantly monetizing it uh, to grow the revenue from like uh, uh, pretty good uh, percentages was exciting. Awesome. Well, it's a it's a really um, <laughs> impressive background. I think you have a, a, you have a very very focused specialty, which is quite unique, I think, in the market. Um, and you've done and built you know various growth teams as as uh, as, as you just mentioned. So I wanted to ask um, the first question, which I have about you know your your product background, is. Um, if you could share with us your playbook around experimentation. Yeah, uh, happy to. <laughs> so when it comes to experimentation, um, uh, I, I, I firstly, I always tell people that uh, for product leaders that you have uh, people, process, and speed. Uh, and you can only pick two when it comes to experimentation. So uh, <laughs> you can't pick all of them and run a very um, uh, great experimentation within the, uh, I, I, and I can give you later uh, uh, more examples to that. But coming to your question. Um, so firstly, when it comes to experimentation, I have a structured format where I first have the question that I want to solve. Like what is the question or what is the hypothesis? So like what, what uh, what do I believe or about the users, uh, brains, behaviors, feelings, and motivations, um, and what makes me think that? So, and this is not what you think that is going to happen or as an outcome of the experimentation, because that is in the next section of uh, the framework. And this is this is a statement that is totally decoupled from the experimentation. So, for example, uh, I'm giving you an example. Um, I believe that many gifters are not getting to know about the VIP program and the VIP, VIP gifts because the app does not explain the uh, VIP badges and how to get it properly. I believe if we inform uh, these gifters about the VIP badges, then they will be motivated to get the VIP badge and then we will have more VIP gifters. And we know that VIP gifters lead to more revenue. That's it. It has no numbers. It is just a hypothesis. Then important is prediction and the predictive impact. So this is if you if if you do your idea, what it will happen? Um, what do you think you it'll happen rather? So I predict like a statement can go like I predict that if we do this idea, then metric this will increase by X percent because of this justification. Mm -hmm. So this is, I predict, uh, if we inform big gifters about the value of the VIP badge and how to get them, then the number of 
gift VIP gifters will increase by 30%, 50%, because gifters will be motivated to earn the badge as it serves their ego needs, right? Or their motivation or their recognition, whatever. So it doesn't, it has the increment it can give, but doesn't have the confidence yet, right? Because that comes again later. Um, so, uh, and the experiment design, your reach, your, uh, that again comes in the experiment de design. So, uh, now in the experiment design, we have a control group and we have an experiment group. It can, if, the, if you're doing the experiment for the first time, you can have a 50-50 split. If you're doing an experiment with just a little bit of moderation, then you can have a different split as well, but where you have more, uh, where you can have a faster rollout in the market. So uh, there, there you have, how will you measure the result? Example, uh, uh, we have is, we check on the dashboard or we check on the self-service board or like the uh, Tableau or like through the data. So it is important to have, uh, how will you measure your result? And now, and who is your target segment for the experiment? This is what events and properties um, define that target segment. So this is, and more often than not, you will realize that there's a, you want to have an experiment, but event and properties are missing. So this is a critical section to fill out in advance so that in the last moment, you don't, you don't uh, run into something that, hey, you don't, uh, you don't have this event and property. Uh, and hence you run two weeks of sprint to create those events and properties and another, uh, other, other sprint to gather that data. And this event and properties is important because what happens uh, when you define an experiment and in the end, you realize, okay, you don't have that event and property, but you have something alternative which is close to that event and property. And, at, and the, uh, then the bad uh, PMs or uh, not so uh, growth-led uh, PMs just take that alternative uh, property and fix it into the experiment. And the and uh, more often than not, the whole experiment design and the spec in the sec segment changes changes. And your even though your you have some results which which is slightly con conclusive but may not be rightly conclusive. Uh, so you have event spec, test spec, and design. Then you also have how many users are going to view your communication and what is the trigger through which you uh, your campaign will be seen or your uh, product experiment will be seen. How many users will not just uh, is in your audience, but how many users will see it? How many times will they view it? Your effort to design that experiment, you how, um, and how will you analyze this? How will you productize this test or campaign if it goes as a success? So if this should work, then what is that we are going to do? This is also something which is important because people just like sometimes just run an experiment and then they figure out, okay, if this works, we'll probably do this. But if uh, if it's not stated, then they, they probably just do the opposite. <laughs> So uh, result and analysis, you got also got to have, uh, uh, for example, in the example that I was giving, if we run this experiment in Germany, then, and if we roll out, then we can roll out on dark fetus and Benelux because we know that the, the large number of big gifters and the properties of, in Germany is similar to other countries as well. So uh, yeah, and of course, with results and analysis, uh, the ideas for, 
segmentation and analysis uh, needs to be prepared in uh, advance and also recorded for future uh, reference. So we deal with that in Confluence and those learnings can be uh, shared and must be shared across the team. And when it comes to monetization strategies, um, there's also, once you define the scope, you build the scope, uh, and when you build a scope, there are different parameters that you got to uh, check, uh, all, uh, because um, uh, because there's opportunity costs involved when it comes to monetization strategy, uh, and launch the test. When you launch the test, timing is very very important. So how long is the test running? Um, if if let's say uh, a test is running for uh, four weeks versus, uh, and if you're checking the renewals versus. Uh, um, annual revenue, re recurring revenue, if you're checking that. So if you're, versus if you're, it's running for a year versus a quarter, it makes a difference because you can't run a test for a year and then decide because you're leaving, even if it's 50-50 split you, and your test variant is winning by X percent, you're still losing out, right? So you got to figure out um, which of um, uh, the, the key indicators that, that kind of leads to that revenue metric and then you know how it converts and then you take a decision that by if this x percent of this usage metric increases then you would take a decision yeah very very thorough experimentation process <laughs> second for sharing that um with every experiment if you take it down if you bring it up to like a higher level like what's the purpose of an experiment it all comes down to like business business objectives, business value, right? So the segue to my next question is, before constructing all your experiments, how should you best define like the North Star metric that you're going to be trying to achieve in that, in that quarter, in that fiscal year, whatever it is, because you need to have one or you know two, um, depending on what you wanna focus on, North Star metrics um, in a specific department like the ones that you've been working in. So how do you define what those are? And then from that, I think you already talked about the experimentation process, which which is very thorough, but how do you how do you conceptualize like those metrics uh, before you yeah. jump into an experiment? So a North Star metric is a metric that a company uses to focus on their growth. So uh, this number best reflects the amount of value that your company brings out of the customers. In addition to the North Star metric, it is also a long-term metric, a growth metric, uh, and not a short-term metric um, for that indicates, also have indicates your revenue. So we all know the well examples, like for example, Spotify. So it is time spent listening. This means that if the users, if premium users or non-premium users, are listening to their podcast or listening to their um, uh, uh, music, et cetera, then they are, uh, uh, the users are coming back and sticking to the product and then uh, are more likely to retain and pay for the product. That's why they recently launched Spotify Green Room. And I was so surprised. I was uh, on the day one, uh, I was using the product and there, there was like green rooms that was live. Uh, people were live and chatting for eight, nine, 10, 12 hours. Mm -hmm. And 
so this definitely increased the time spent listening because people were not just listening, but voting, but uh, giving diamonds. This was incredible. Then you have Airbnb. This is number of nights booked. So here it is a value for user, value for uh, customers, and it, it can be clearly seen if the number of nights booked increases, the monetization KPI increases. Uh, for Facebook, monthly active users, uh, or Instagram, monthly active users, because they run ads, more users are active, they will see the ads, and uh, they will have more monetization. Uh, for um, for LinkedIn, it is engaged premium engaged. Uh, it was engaged users, um, uh, engaged messaging. You, I'm not not hundred percent sure. I did attend a LinkedIn workshop, but I, I I forgot about it. But yeah, for for when it comes to rev, uh, not star metric. If you just take revenue as a not star metric, it's 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 not right. So when and when it comes to your experimentation with not star metric, you have to define, as I mentioned, the question, the hypothesis, uh, an experiment uh, design spec. This is your input metrics, and then is the qualitative input metric, and the quantitative qualitative output metrics are uh, observations and analysis. Uh, so this is uh, this is uh, you are more likely to produce winning uh, results if you like have your north star metric combined with your experimentation framework. Mm -hmm. And where? where um... Where do you think, I mean, from your experience, and you've, I'm sure you've worked with other uh, individuals uh, in the same type of position at other organizations, but where do you think growth and product leaders typically get it wrong when it comes to running experiments? Yeah, <laughs> there's so many things people just go wrong. Okay, I've gone wrong so many times and like kind of realized. So first thing that I mentioned was when it comes to experiments, people, process, and speed. So if you are running experiments and focusing too much on process, then you will lose out on speed and your, each experiment takes three months or four months or two months or whatever. If you're focusing too much on uh, uh, process and speed, uh, like then your people will be unhappy because you are also uh, focusing on process as well as you want speed and people will be unhappy. So definitely you need to have a balance of, well, you can pick two, but you need to have a balance of three. So you're, now uh, when it comes to experimentation, um, a lot of people experiment in later part of the funnel or like uh, think about uh, how can they, uh, uh, get back their old users again or do more activation. Uh, but I, I, I feel like there's a very strong uh, part on pricing experimentation. Um, and uh, so when people pay, uh, why people pay early monetization strategies, uh, strategies, for, and this is only after experimentations, I have figured out that there's different strategies for potential customers, different strategies to upgrade your existing healthy customers, um, uh, then strategies to address customers. This is more likely to churn or have reduced their spends. Um, so strategy, there are different strategies for churn customers and the different strategies to to give incentives to different different kinds of customers, you can't give incentives to all kind of customers at the same go. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, um, 
I would say that there are a couple of things, uh, as I mentioned, uh, people process speed, different um, uh, knowing your different strategies for customers. Um, and, uh, and yeah, sorry, you were saying something. I was going to say, so what are people process speed? Like what's people? So people, uh, people can be uh, people who are, um, uh, who are uh, actually in the process of that experimentation. These are your employees, right? Okay. Uh, so well, if you have too much process for your employees, then, uh, then, then people, some people like, would like the process, but your speed will be hampered. If there would, if you're, um, if, if you want to have uh, speed, then you have speed and people, and then process is somehow uh, skipped out. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this is what. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. And can you can you give us an example of a of an experiment that you ran where you applied this kind of solution and whether yeah. it was successful uh, or not? Yeah. Or what did they what did they uncover? Like, what's like the big thing that you found? Yeah, there were there were very very many experimentations, uh, but I would say uh, one of the things that uh, we um, we we first uh, tried, uh, you know, the early state early day zero monetization. When we tried the day zero monetization, um, it we figured out that it uh, we were okay just running experimentations with speed and uh, the, we had the right people so that people were happy. However, uh, since the process of including product or getting the buy-ins from the product uh, was um, not uh, the most appropriate, what, what happened that they were also working on um, uh, the user lifecycle uh, monetization for the first 28 days. So the value chain offering, which card abandoned and different, different things. And we were also working on um, uh, monetization in the early part of the final day zero, day two uh, with different communication, right? So I think if we use, if we, if we get the buy-in from the product uh, and inform people in advance and have uh, that synergy in advance, that uh, that communication in advance, uh, that hey, this is the approach that we are doing. This is the experimentations that we would do. Uh, this is the the quarter goal or the half yearly goal to change, increase the pricing uh, by X percent, um, and and um, by increase the pricing by X percent. Uh, uh, and also increasing the conversion by X percent. And this is how we approach and have a synchronized um, communication with, with push notifications, email, product, in-app, um, uh, paywalls, et cetera. Then it just works much, much better. Mm -hmm. And um, you mentioned push notifications. And I know at your um, previous company and just in general, you have, you have a lot of experience in this uh, where you were responsible, I think, for sending billions of push notifications and emails uh, in your different positions. Um, can you walk us through uh, what processes and systems you had set up to facilitate that volume and caliber of activity? 
Right. So uh, yeah, that's right. So I have worked on push notifications, email, and app notifications very extensively. When it comes to push notification, um, there are certain push notifications that users will, in a community space will generate for other users. There are certain push notifications that you get to send to get users back to complete their monetization or conversion or um, um, uh, the monetization conversion or even these days I get like phone calls if my product is in the card uh, very strangely. Hey, uh, and then on the phone call itself, they give a promo code and then they like, we check out at that time. Mm. So it, it is pretty interesting. So uh, when it comes to uh, push email and NM, I, I would definitely say that having your customer lifecycle journey, push notification, uh, um, timing, which is like reactivation pushes and de defining different push groups and push types. So push groups are like reactivation pushes, user-to-user uh, -user pushes, uh, sales pushes, uh, and different categories. And then you define your push types and define the different intervals and the prioritization as to which of the push Will be given uh, will be sent first, or if there are multiple pushes, then which will be prioritized first, so that the users are not bombarded with uh, hundreds of push notifications, mm -hmm. but get the most appropriate push notification. Same if the users are getting the push notification, reacting to it, then you don't need to send the email. Uh, and if they are responding to the email more, then you gotta send the email. Amazon is very good with email, and they're also pretty good with push notifications. So they sync with email and push notifications pretty, pretty much. Um, when it comes to in-app notifications, there is really a lot you can do with push to deep link to in-app to conversions, then to in-app to deep link to conversions. Uh, so email to in-app to conversion. So there's a lot you can do with in-app notifications as well. So I, I definitely say that you can't, you have to like use external um, systems uh, for if you want to modify um, push notifications, email, uh, as well, and send in apps. Um, and you can't build all of them within uh, with of the highest capabilities within your company. Mm -hmm. uh, if if you are a growth company, uh, but without mentioning the names, uh, because otherwise there's just me and ad. Uh, so without mentioning the name, there are a lot of good companies who. Um, does this, but don't get into the trap of salespeople telling you, hey, they're the best, but really get get down to use cases and try to solve uh, uh, and, tech, and get into technical spec uh, check of that, uh, 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 of that system that whether it'll fit uh, with your nested data or not. And which uh, you've probably used a whole bunch of different uh, platform solutions out there uh, today. Yeah. Which one would you say are your favorite? And I'm not holding you to it. Just like first yeah. thing that comes so, to mind is like, oh, that one, good experience. Well, yeah. well run with product kind of thing. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, push notifications, I definitely say that uh, when, to have a system internal and do not completely rely on the external systems for push notification, but for marketing push notifications, Etc. You can definitely rely on there. There are several, but like just 
uh, we use we use brace at the moment at, at, um, at we, we used to use brace at the moment at Lavu before uh, sorry uh, and then um, um, there are definitely so many other push notification and email for email there is a lot of comp competition for uh, Mailchimp, Mailgun, uh, and SendGrid, etc. So uh, and uh, Spark Mail. So it also depends on the volumes, the commercials, the uh, email validation, etc. Things that you get from those. Uh, when it comes to your in-app notifications, a lot of things can be done within natively within the app. A lot can be done through HTML. Um, a lot, a lot can be done through like templating. So it's I wouldn't say a specific platform, but I would say that there are very good solutions available in the market right now that can help you grow. Okay. Any like how about like uh, something like one signal or something comparative? So we have uh, Braze, Amplitude, Clever Tab, One Signal. Mm. Um, uh, then um, Lean Plum, Mailgun, Sandred, Void Gauge. So yeah, there's a lot. Uh, but yeah. Okay. And throughout this up. Uh, Throughout this journey of yours, did you ever face any issues related to attribution? Um, right. You know, ways to get attribution right when working with such large audience segments. Yeah, we definitely faced a lot uh, with attribution. So when it comes to attribution, we have a, we used to use adjust for uh, for UA attribution. However. Uh, when it comes to uh, attribution of monetization, we built internal triggers where we can have the attribution and that data sh being showed at, uh, at our systems. Um, but uh, we, when it comes to push notifications, email in app with push notifications, we had a after the push notification. If you clicked on the push notification and then bought within 20 minutes, then we we considered that as a push triggered purchase with email. If you clicked on the email and bought it within uh, 30 minutes, then it's an email conversion. And if with in-app, if you bought it within five minutes after seeing the in-app or, or clicking on the CD of the in-app and purchase that, so that is a conversion through in-app. So yeah, um, um, attribution for your monetization works or clicks and stuff like that work with your notifications work like that. When it comes to retargeting, definitely users who, who have clicked on your uh, ad and came back to your app or seen an impression and came back to the app within 10 minutes. So those are those are a couple of uh, good metrics. Interesting. So you, you time box it from when they see the notification to when they check out and associate it to that uh, funnel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with all this, all these billions of data points, how do you go about sense making um, in terms of, you know, seeing what's working, what's not working? I know you have triggers and reporting, but like, it's still a lot of data, I think, to, to parse through at any given time. Um, and any advice yeah. you would give to any to the audience about that? Yeah, when, when I, I, I 
we used to have, I guess, more data, but with no more GDPR things, we have uh, regulations, we have even lesser data. So it is good that we have um, lesser data so that we can really think of the data that we need uh, and also storing data costs. So uh, when it comes to organizing data, so uh, here's a couple of suggestions. So first, there are certain data that you need for long period of time. Can be purchases, can be uh, value of purchase. Uh, this is one year, two year, three year, et cetera. User IDs of the users. Yeah. But there's certain data which you needed for seven days or 30 days maximum. These are specific event triggers that the users have done. So, uh, or, so you, uh, there are certain data you just need. So for example, if a user is doing multiple sessions in the uh, of, of the classes, right? So uh, you can store that a user has done a thousand sessions, um, uh, but if the user has done, let's say hundred sessions uh, this month, then you just need the hundred sessions the user did and when did the user do did that session so that you can trigger the user to come back to the app, but or, or monetize, uh, uh, smartly during that time. However, if the user has a thousand sessions over a three year period of time, you don't need to store every session or when, what, what was the rating, et cetera. And you just need to store the, the overall or average amount, something like that. So uh, storing for the right time, the right amount of data and the quality of data. So that's important. Um, and then using the data, if you can be, uh, so, uh, a user is, let's say, on a dating app, is doing a swipe, 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 does a thousand swipes a day. You don't need to track thousand swipes for every user. You just need to track if the user has done the first swipe, 50th swipe, or the 100 swipe, for example, right? So uh, uh, then you know what kind of users have done 150 and 100. Uh, so it's, uh, again, uh, if you can see the, you can capture the data based on the number of times the trigger this worked, you have to build that in the front end and that data you can send it on the, the back end or client side. Again, not getting into technicals here. Uh, so uh, that's that's the other thing. And then how you process that data, how you visualize data. data. So sometimes um, some data needs to be visualized in order to get uh, the right uh, numbers. So what tools do you have? Uh, are you on AWS, GCP, or what uh, Azure, or what kind of thing? How do you have that representation? Uh, how are you uh, uh, sending data between the different um, tools to in order to do uh, use that data for campaigns to get users back to monetizations or to do experimentation? So, and then how are you analyzing those data as well? So, yeah, there's. Uh, uh, there's a lot with uh, solutions uh, there. You can also have things like um, uh, these uh, uh, CDMs where, um, uh, which basically takes in all your data and sends it to the relevant uh, parties. Um, uh, and these are like, uh, like M particle, for example, it takes in all the data and sends it to the, uh, the, the logic that you have defined, which uses the data in order to do the campaigns. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, last couple of questions here, Saket. Uh, with all this 
experimentation, North Star metrics, all these things that we've discussed so far today. I wanted to ask, how does that tie into product road mapping? So, you know, you have all this data, you have all this potential foresight of like in engagements and interactions of, of your user base. What is the decision-making process in terms of deciding how do you decide which products or features to go and build next? That's an interesting question. So when it comes to product road mapping, um, so again, there is a framework that I use. So when you know your key metrics, your business metrics, key business metrics for your quarter or your um, or half yearly, then you break it down into the uh, key objectives, which is it can be increasing the number of bookings uh, or number of sessions of the app or number of, or increase increasing the cohorts who are doing uh, the yoga session or the meditation session uh, or um, or journaling uh, in the app or new users who have done at least x number of mm, sessions within the first week and then are coming back percentage of that so you define your objectives there uh, objectives can be uh, numerical, cannot okay, can be uh, a milestone, can be numerical uh, by any means. Uh, and then you have uh, key uh, key metrics or uh, that uh, that results in uh, results in your um, that uh, users coming back to the app. So you have the key metric. Um, users coming back to the app, booking the session or something else. So you have key metrics, key performance indicators for those objectives. And and uh, then with those, you when you define your objectives, you also have the product initiatives that you would do. So the different initiatives across uh, uh, through the quarter or through, and those are big heads of course. And then you break it down those initiatives into smaller initiatives as to, uh, let's say you want to increase the number of you, uh, female users, ha happy female users in the app. And you break it down into uh, how do you define happy? How do you measure happy? Uh, and then you have the different uh, uh, in, uh, in, uh, initiatives that can increase the uh, uh, happiness and the app of, of human users, and then then the product features or the uh, experimentation that goes with it, with that initiative, uh, and then of course it's you have uh, your your sprints working on it, and I always say that let's say you are planning um, an experimentation which is like. Uh, oh, sorry, you're planning a product feature uh, built up, which is in three months from now or two months from now, you can already do discoveries and experimentation now and uh, tie that to the uh, to your product initiative then so that if this succeeds, then you will do that initiative. If this succeeds, then the results of this will influence that so into the your product roadmap. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Um... No, it's really interesting because I think uh, at the end of the day, uh, everything kind kind of ties back to ROI, right? In many yeah. ways, uh, you know, we have the experimentations, you know, that we're doing and figuring out what product product roadmap we're going to build. But as a product leader, I want to ask you what advice 
do you give? Um, would you give, sorry, in terms of demonstrating or showing ROI uh, to your leadership or to your management team? Because uh, I've heard, you know, it's very difficult sometimes or most of the time to show this because, you know, initiatives could take quarters or years, right, to, to demonstrate whether they were a success or failure. So how do you maybe go about time boxing uh, the demonstration of ROI in, in, your, in your role? Yeah, that's a brilliant question. So that's a typical monetization uh, um, question. So uh, when you, when, whenever you are building on experimentation or, uh, or um, for product marketing, whether you're hiring those people, et cetera, you have the purpose for the experimentation or purpose of the role. Some experimentation can take long time. So you have this indicative metrics. Uh, you have um, uh, you you have metrics that uh, also uh, affect the experimentation in a negative way. So you have counter metrics, um, and you have benchmarks to that. So when when you know, okay, these are your metrics. These are your metrics for uh, experimentation and these are your metrics for uh, 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 your monetization metric. Then, if you're moving your needle towards the monetization metric um, uh, in a way that it is generating more value for the users as well as uh, for business value for the company, then you know you're moving in the right direction. And but it's important that you are able to. Move, uh, measure the monetization metric into your uh, to into the growth of the revenue. So uh, the, your growth model for revenue growth model must uh, uh, measure the different indicative monetization metric as well as uh, tie that into into the and um, your growth model for. Um, uh, uh, for, for, the, for, for your total revenue. So you have different variables, etc. Okay. okay, cool. Um, thank you so much, Sakit, for sharing all this awesome information with us today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, for everybody listening in and tuning in, uh, please uh, uh, stay tuned for our next episode where we're going to have more product and innovation professionals share their various insights in terms of what they do and how they uh they show success in their roles so thanks again second i appreciate your time